For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Today's episode of the Believe in Steelers podcast is brought to you by betonline.ag. Ike, the Sweet 16 gets underway this weekend. If you want to place a wager on any of the games, Bet Online is the place to do it. 24-7, 365, whether you just waking up from a nap or whether you're trying to go to bed, you can always go to Bet Online and get a bonus or something. Ike, I like how you always say, wake up from a nap, wake up from sleep. Like you dream that you're winning your bet and then you can go and actually place said bet. You got to make it come to fruition. You know what I'm saying, Marky Mark? So that's what I'm saying, regardless of whether you're going to sleep or getting up from a nap or something, man, you might as well just bet online because it's always going to stay open 24-7. They need, bet online need to go, a.k.a. we never close. <laughs> You're the one who coined that phrase. Head to the website, betonline.ag, or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. All right, cue the music. It's time to start the show. Welcome to the Believe in Steelers podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm your host, Mark Bergen, joined as always by my guy, two-time Super Bowl champion and 12-year veteran of the Pittsburgh Steelers, Ike Taylor. IT, it's Friday. It's good to be talking to you. I'm excited for this weekend. How are you today? Mark, Mark, I'm good. Glad to be talking to you as well. Man, we got a lot to talk about, so let's get right to it. On today's show, we'll discuss Ike's top linemen entering the NFL draft, the top offensive linemen, I should say, Ike, I'm going to ask you about your pro day from way back in the day during your college playing days at Louisiana Lafayette before you entered the NFL. And we also have a lot of Steelers news to get to in the Deshaun Watson saga, but we start the Steelers' decision to release cornerback Steven Nelson. Ike, I get it. I, this means that Cam Sutton's going to be the corner starting opposite Joe Hayden. The concern I have is the depth the Steelers have at the cornerback position. And hopefully that's something that they can address during the 2021 NFL draft. Yeah. Steven Nelson. Um, I like Steve. It's just Pittsburgh right now with their cap situation, man, it's kind of tough. You know what I'm saying? Mark your mark. So just my thoughts and my personal opinion, they was asking Steve for a pay cut. Steve didn't want to take the pay cut. So they, they had to terminate his contract and they just signed Cam. Sudden, so they want to move on in a different direction, and they probably get two cornerbacks late round, mid to late round in this draft. So the Pittsburgh Steelers know what they're doing. Hopefully, they hit on some of these cornerbacks because of late, they really haven't been hitting on that secondary unless they get somebody from free agency. So we'll see what the Pittsburgh Steelers do, but hopefully, they're heading in the right direction. Um, my cousin is a huge fan of Cam Sutton. Um, I'm still upset that Mike Hill left, but of course. The young man had to go get his money. That's going to be the most important part for me. Who's going to line up in that slot? And I'm guessing Cam will line up in that slot and they're going to find a young outside corner to play on sub packages because Cam was very, very productive in that slot position when, when Mike Hilton was hurt. See, this makes more sense to me because I know Sutton can play on the outside if he needs to. If you want to play him at the nickelback position that 
Hilton had great success. I think he's a little bit better in coverage than Hilton was, but the signing of Sutton makes more sense to me. Ike Sutton was a guy I got to watch at the start of his career when he was playing at the university Tennessee. of Tennessee. Yeah. He was, he was a playmaker for the volunteers all the way back to his college days. So when I worked in Knoxville, he was one of the defensive playmakers for the volunteers. He will now get his opportunity in the NFL. But like I said, and I, and I hate to put this out there. We know Joe Hayden has missed time the last few seasons. He's starting to get up in age. It's not that I don't think that Hayden or Sutton can, can play, but if either of those two guys go down, you're pretty thin at that position as it stands right now. So that's the concern that I have. But like I said, this is something I would imagine that the Steelers would go out and draft a corner when the NFL draft gets underway. First round gets underway on April 29th and then goes for the next two days after that. So that, that's a position I think the Steelers will need to address in the NFL draft. No, they will. I, I think for sure what you just said. And they got young, young Lane. They three deep right now. But right now, the way this NFL, you know, this generation is going, you got to be at least five, six deep when it comes down to cornerbacks because they throwing the ball a lot, if you know what I'm saying. So Pittsburgh will have to pick up at least two, two more corners for that secondary. Ike, did you see the Chase Claypool video that has surfaced outside of bar in the Los Angeles area? There's only so much a video and a viral clip can show. How I would imagine this plays out is this. Either he'll be fine, which I'd imagine will happen of some sort, but my hope is that he doesn't miss any time, that he doesn't face any kind of one-game, two-game, multi-game suspension for what happened. I know part of the video showed him breaking up the fight, but then there was another part of the video that showed him kicking another guy. <sighs> wrong place, wrong time, but that's kind of how I see this playing out. What were your thoughts about the video of Chase Claypool? Man, I was once a knucklehead. And at the time, social media and the camera phones wasn't as big mm-hmm. as it is today. So all I would tell Chase is, if you're getting into them situations, either you got to find a better, a better group of guys to hang out with, or start making better decisions because the NFL, because of these camera phones ain't playing no more. You know, they, they got everything live on action and you don't want to mess up your money nor your career. So that's, that's what I would tell Chase, man, go ahead on, slow down, give it some thought. If, if I feel like I'm going into a situation I might have to fight, I'm in the wrong area. You know, it's, you're a high profile guy and the future is bright for you. So stay, stay out of them clubs where you think you might fight. And if, if your homeboys or homegirls might lead you in the wrong direction, you got to find a new crew. That's just how it is. So that's, that's what I would tell Chase in that situation. Things happen. I've been a part of plenty of those. But, but thank God I, I came out on top when it come down to the disciplinarian part. But for Chase, man, the camera phones are, are high right now. You know what I'm saying? So you don't want to put yourself in that position because you got too much to lose. Well said, Ike. And honestly, if I could piggyback off that, he's 6'4", he's giant compared to your average Joe walking around on the street. So I think automatically you're going, I mean, he's a, a tall, athletic, 6'4 frame. Automatically, I think he's going to generate eyeballs. It's like, oh, is he an athlete? Yeah, that's Chase Claypool, the Steelers. I think that's automatic. And I think you bring up a great point too with camera phones, social media and everything. I know this is something that you've talked about and this former Steelers teammates that you talked about where, you know, back in the day, that's not something you had to worry about. You're always on notice into in the 21st century with the social media era. So well said, Ike. Ike, I'm excited to 
tell our listeners about our newest sponsor, Sunday Scary. So this is for our listeners who are, you have a lot of anxiety, you don't sleep well, there's a lot running through your head when you're trying to go to sleep at night. Sunday Scaries is a great way to overcome and decompress, clear your head and fall asleep when you're trying to go to sleep at night. Man, that's what I like about Sunday Scaries. It don't take much to fall asleep. You know, whether you're having a long, stressful day, had a long week, and you just want to lay down and, and just chill and vibe out and Netflix it, make sure you take a Sunday scary. And there's no risk to buy. The company offers a 100% lifetime money-back guarantee. If the product's not for you, that's okay. You'll get your money back. Sunday Scaries is the stress-relieving business, not the stress-causing business. And we have a 25% off discount for our listeners to prove it. If you go to sundayscaries.com and use the promo code Ike, that's I-K-E uh, our listeners. Yeah. The promo code Ike for 25% off at sundayscaries.com. I love it. On a touchy subject, we do need to go to the Deshaun Watson news. And mm -hmm. I want to approach this from three different fronts, Ike from Deshaun Watson's standpoint. One is the civil lawsuits that he faces 16 different women now have accused him of sexual assault and inappropriate conduct. Now, the civil suit, you know, that, that has to deal with the money. Now, he is not, at the time of this recording, we're recording Friday morning, does not face any criminal charges yet. So then that you're talking about his freedom. If, he's, if you're talking about criminal charges, if you were to face a conviction. But it's also important to point out, if you're talking about the burden of proof, the burden of proof is much, much less in a civil suit than it would be with the criminal charge. And we can get into that by what I mean by that. But then the third thing where I see this with is the NFL's personal conduct policy. I think regardless of what happens, a multi-game suspension is likely. And I don't wanna compare this to other situations, but we've seen how the NFL has dealt with off the field incidents, whether that's a Ray Rice, a Zeke Elliott, Ben Roethlisberger. I could go on and on. Those are just three names that come to mind. So I would imagine he faces a multi-game suspension. But that's kind of how I see all of this unfolding with Deshaun Watson. Time will tell how all of it unfolds, but I think those three things are what come to my mind when discussing this. One is a lot. 16 is too much. And hopefully the young man didn't put himself in that situation 16 times. But that's what the allegations are right now. Now, for the women who are involved in this situation, really, I'm going to say this. Prayers go out to both, Deshaun and the women with these allegations. Uh, time will tell on what's the proof and who's telling the truth and what really happened. That's what time will tell. The silver part, the silver suit part is, the money part, obviously. I hope that's not the case. I hope these women actually feel some kind of way and won't, just, and won't justice off of what Deshaun has done. On Deshaun defense, hopefully this isn't the case. Lord knows I hope this isn't the case. But 16 allegations, um, they say where it's smoke is fire. One is enough, it's, but two is too many. But 16, mark your mark, that's a whole, that's a whole lot, bro. That's a whole lot. And the NFL is going to suspend them. I think because off of the 16, one, we can talk about, we can really, we can really figure out, hopefully we can chop this down 
Two guy lead the Sean. Eight, man, hold up. 16, it's a problem. That's something I have in my notes, Ike. Take this outside of the Deshaun Watson case specifically. Mm-hmm. To have that many different massage therapists for a professional athlete is confusing to me because mm-hmm. wouldn't most teams have one, two, three, maybe a few people assigned to do that to be able to rehabilitate a player who is facing an injury or who is hurt just to make sure that they're staying healthy. But then I know a lot of sometimes guys will bring in their own private people to do that. But when that happens, you usually stick with the person who's providing that service for you. So to me, as soon as the 16 came about, it's like, why does he have that many different therapists in of itself? Take it outside of the Deshaun Watson specific case. I feel like most players would have someone that they like going to regularly. Like that was that was one thing that really stuck out to me. 16 different massage therapists, you're, you're right, is a lot. Teams don't really get into or give you a massage therapist because of things like this can happen. You kind of got to find it on your own word of mouth. Maybe a guy might got a massage therapist that he might recommend you to. But I look at massage therapists like I look at doctors, like how I look at barbers, like how I look at mechanics. When you find a good one, you stick with them. When you find a good doctor and a doctor knows your body, you stick with them. When you find a good hairdresser or somebody who cuts your hair, you stick with them. When you find a good mechanic, you stick with them. When you find a good massage person, you do that just as well. That massage person becomes damn their family. You find you a good chef, you stick with them. And that's what the LeBrons and the Tom Brady's do. They, they, find, they find these people and they just become part of the family because you're actually helping my moneymaker and my moneymaker is my body. So to have 16 different ones is like, like you say, it's, that's tough. That's tough because I, I look at it like how I look at mechanics, physicians, guys who cut or women who cut hair. And just I want that person to know me, my body probably better than me. So I can feel like I'm doing good. And my massage therapist is like, no, Ike, you got a kink right here. But she's been doing me for 12 years. So she understands my body. That's what Deshaun got to break it down to. Somebody who who knows your body just as well as you. And that's just all, of course, over time. And he got to build that relationship. It's hard to build a relationship with 16 different people. You know, you got to find one. So hopefully Deshaun can learn from this. I don't think it's a conspiracy because a lot of times with conspiracy, someone stands to benefit. So Watson's 25 years old. He's under contract through the 2025 season. There is a potential out in 2024 I know the new general manager of the Houston Texans, Nick Casario, said multiple Mm -hmm. times he's not trading Watson. But Mm -hmm. who would be willing to trade for him and face all the PR backlash right now? Not to mention, we don't know how many games he's going to be suspended for. Here's the thing, too. He is by far the most talented quarterback on the Texans roster because Tyrod Taylor is a nice backup to bring in to be able to weather the storm through all of this. Ryan Finley is not a starter. Those are the other quarterbacks you have on the roster. And remember, the Texans don't have a first or second round pick in this year's draft. So I don't think that there's any kind of conspiracy going on. I also want to go back to what I was talking about, though, and when I put my reporter hat on when talking about the burden of proof. Right now at the time of this recording, there are all Mm -hmm. civil lawsuits. So what I mean by that is to be able to award said money to the people making these allegations it would need the burden of proof is a scintilla over 50%. Mm-hmm. 
Now, if he were to face criminal charges, which he does not at the time of this recording, the attorney, Tony Busby, has said that he is going to submit affidavits and evidence to the Houston Police Department. But in a criminal case, burden of proof is beyond a reasonable doubt. It is a much higher burden of proof in a criminal case. That's good info, Mark. And so I just want to outline that for the listeners. This is from my experience as a reporter, Ike. It's important to understand the difference between a civil suit and criminal charges. And right now, as it stands, 16 different women have accused him of sexual assault and inappropriate conduct, but in civil suits. It's important to understand the difference between the two. That's good info. Today's episode of the Believe in Steelers podcast is also brought to you by our newest sponsor over at eBay. And Ike, when you're shopping for sneakers and shoes, you go to the store a lot of time, you find the style, the right color, but you go a lot of times, they don't have the right size and the fit isn't right. Well, you can avoid that problem by going to eBay, a great marketplace if you're looking to buy some new sneakers. The thing I like about eBay is I can spend my money and make money, meaning if I got shoes I won't sell, I can sell them on eBay. If I want to buy some shoes, I can buy them off eBay. So I'm killing two birds with one stone is how I look at it. So yeah, appreciate eBay as well. I extend some of those 10 and a halfs my way. I'll <laughs> gladly. <laughs> Go to ebay.com slash sneakers today. eBay, the world's best destination for discovering great value and unique selection. Ike, we will move on. And before we get to your top lineman in the 2021 NFL draft, Uh I know you told me this story off the air about your pro day at the University of Louisiana Lafayette. And I know there's a great story here. A lot of the college scouts were there to see your teammate, Charles Peanut Tillman. And I know you ran a 40-yard dash where you absolutely smoked it, but I wanted you to be able to tell the listeners about what happened on that day and how it changed your life. Oh, man. You know, Peanut, Charles Peanut Tillman, one of the great cornerbacks from Chicago. Bears got drafted a high high second round, damn near first round draft pick. Nut Nut went to the combine and he smoked it, so he solidified his position in that draft. But a a lot of people was asking who's the other guy, and the other guy was me. At the time, I wasn't invited to the combine, but I had over 25 teams there represented. Uh, what I did was I had a heck of a pro day. And this coming from the scouts and a few GMs say they've never seen a pro day like this. Uh, I, I worked all off season. Like I missed, I missed the semester of school just to train with Coach Time Shop because I wanted to be and put myself in a good position as far as like tip top shape. And I was transitioning from being a running back my junior year to a cornerback my senior year. So my pro day was off the chain. My vertical was like 40, 43, 44. My bench press was like 22, 23. My three cone drill was off the chain. My 40 was even better. I remember a Tennessee old school scout. He said he never clocked in a four three on his clock. I told him sit at the finish line and watch this. <laughs> and when I ran, when I ran this 40, when I ran this 40, these were my exact words when I passed them up. I said, what, what's your clock say? And he just, he laughed, he chuckled. And when he laughed and when he chuckled, I said, yeah, I ran a 4-3 on his clock. Some guys had me at a low, me had, had me at a high 4, 4-2-9. Some had a 4-2-7, but all with that, that was hand clock. But the old school uh, Tennessee scout, 
when they chuckled when I ran that four three, I said, man, I got action. I got plenty of action. And you know, at the time I was like one eighty five. My my physique was off the chain. Like I was Berta Max and like Coach Shaw had me on point for that day. So uh, that's when I did it. Uh, Chuck, me and Peanut Peanut did a few drills with me. I'm mad he did because I, I I smoked every drill when it was him and I. I'm like, man, this is this is my this is my chance. This is my shot to get in the league. So I thought I was gonna be a seventh round free agent, and I wind up getting drafted in the fourth round. Um, I did 26 trips in 30 days to visit teams because I didn't go to the combine. So I was flying in and out, still working out at hotels in a weight room finding a way but that's that's what I had to do to get in the league and when the Pittsburgh Steelers had drafted me it was all over you stole the words from my mouth because I was going to say the importance of your pro day is you did not get an invite to the combine Correct. but when you're doing 26 interviews in 30 days is it just like deja vu every single day where it's like some of the same questions some of the same workouts same drills with the team I'd imagine that that kind of gets old after a while because you have to do it so many different times for different teams to where it's just like, all right, which city am I waking up this morning? That's crazy. You don't even think about it. My, my only thoughts was getting in. And that's what I had to do to get in. So flying from the from the West Coast all the way to the East Coast, um, I wasn't even thinking. You know, I was, I was doing a lot of studying, a lot of studying on the planes. I was looking at guys on on where they was going. I was looking at my position on where they was ranking me and who's in front of me and why why they're in front of me. So I was just doing a lot of a lot of that. Looking at a lot of different coverages. I know when I got on the board, when I went to these teams, you know, they called me a raw corner because I played cornerback for one year. So they wanted to see where my IQ was. And by the third trip, man, my IQ was so high, you know, when it come down to coverages and who go where. So when I got to Pittsburgh, they, they had double-digit coverages. And that was the first time I heard double-digit coverage. I mean, two coverages and one play call. So once I got to Pittsburgh, that was brand new to me. So other than that, though, Marky Mark, after Pittsburgh, I kind of took off when it came down to the football IQ. Uh, then, you know, a couple of days later, a couple of weeks later, Pittsburgh wound up drafting me. When my parents were moving out of their place and they were going through things, I uh... – when I found that that media guide where they put together these big football guides for fans at the start of every year to say which players are on the team, here are the rookies, here are the players stepping into positions. I love the one your rookie year that I was able to find. Unpolished Speed King when during your rookie year with the Steelers just because th that was a new position for you. Your senior year was the only time you played corner before going into the league. So we're still new to the position too. And so when I found that, I, I really enjoyed sending that to you. And one of those old school football guides. I mean, that's probably one of the, other than having my son, that's probably one of the best things that ever happened to me, getting drafted by the Pittsburgh Steelers. You know what I'm saying? Like it's, but the, the my priorities was right. And my priorities had to be putting my body in the best shape and at least give myself a chance, you know, and I wind up, I wind up giving myself a chance to, to, for these teams to, to look at me or at least consider. So yeah, I was wrong. Like when I, and then when I got to Pittsburgh, I still had to win coach the ball over because I still was a raw corner. You know, we wind up drafting Ricardo Copeland and Brian McFadden and they were all Americans coming out of high school. 
And I still had to prove my point because Coach LeBeau still didn't know what I can do. You know, it, it was it was it was like, man, he got to prove every year. But I wound up proving myself to Dickey. It was a battle. It was a battle, Mark and Mark. But hey, that's life. I was built for it. I'm built for it. That's just how it is. But once I won Coach LeBeau over my third year, it was a wrap. The man said, man, I found I found my corner. I remember Coach LeBeau said that clearly to me. He said, I found I found my corner. And I was, I was, I was like, yeah, I got action. You know, it, that was my third year. It was me, Brian McFadden, Ricardo Coakley. And Ricardo Coakley, in my mind, probably could have been the best still a corner. But the boy didn't die, so the man can live with him. If you know what I mean. I the boy got to die. I don't know, don't know what the, the hell that means. Like, but. So... In order for in order for you to be a man, you gotta you gotta get rid of a lot of your boy your boyish ways. Okay, okay, I got you. And he was a young man, but Slick still had some boyish tendencies. You know what I'm saying? Like priorities and and doing it right. So as far as like athleticism and playing that cornerback position, he was just as athletic as me, and he was just more talented than me. On scout team, we put Ricardo Coakley. At wide receiver, he'll burn your ass at wide receiver. If you ask the man to run the four two, he'll run the four two. If you ask the man to squat six hundred, he can squat six hundred. Like Slick was just one of those freakish athletes from Tussle at five ten. You know what I'm saying? So it, it was, but it was it was more up here with Ricardo Coker than anything. Brian McFadden, you know, Brian McFadden was one of the only corners coming out of Hollywood, Florida that Charles Woodson okayed to give up his number two number out of Michigan. People don't know even <laughs> people don't, don't even know that. But that's how good B-Mac was coming out of high school. He just wound up going to Florida State. Man, I can't script this, man. I cannot script this. So that's that's what I was fighting. I was I was fighting that and I didn't want to go home. That's that's what I told myself, Mark and Mark. I said I'd be damned if I go back to New Orleans. I'd be damned. And I wound up, I wound up winning that damn position, and I kept it ever since. I know you told Pat McAfee about some of the races that you would have some with some of your teammates in like training camp for fastest on the team. So who would the, who would those races be with among your Steelers teammates? Chad Scott, bro. So Chad Scott was the OG, right? He was from Maryland, big corner, because you know Pittsburgh. There you go, Pittsburgh like Pittsburgh like big corners. So C Skeezy, we used to call him C Skeezy. C Skeezy, uh, 6'2", 205, nice, nice size, speed, speed and everything. So, you know, I was a young buck, so I'm sure he just felt threatened. You know what I'm saying? So I'm coming in and Joey Porter, Joey Porter, like, Joey Porter used to call me his pit bull. He was like, man, I got a young pit bull, man. He ready, I'm telling you, he, he ready. And C Skeezy was like, man, so we used to do a 10 yard, we used to do a 10 yard, uh, get off. Like who get to the 10 yards the fast. And then all they used to say is go. Like P's just used to say go. P's I'm talking to Joy Porter, he used to say go. I used to burn him. I used to burn him. I used to burn him. And they said, oh, the cornerback position is changing into a new direction. I know C Skeezy. C Skeezy ain't like that at all. So we did that down there the whole year. Like everybody on the team would look forward. They wouldn't even stretch. They would just look forward to, to us doing this thing. To us doing this, these 10 yards and seeing who wins it, like guys is betting on it. So, did you get a cut of that know, action, Ike? Huh? 
you get a cut of no, that I, action? I, I didn't. I, for me, it was just like it's time for you to go. It's time for me to step in. Like that's that's just that's just how I looked at it. But then I used to talk major. Like I used to talk major smack. Mark, I was talking nothing but smack. When I was winning, I was talking nothing but smack, and my whole New Orleans accent was coming out, and the boys used to love it. <laughs> they used to love it. So it was just very competitive at the time, man. But once I won, I think once I won. James Ferrier, Joy Porter, and Casey Hampton over. Once I won them over, and they went and talked to Coach LeBeau, and they say, Dickie, the young man needs to be our starter. He bringing a whole nother attitude to this corner, to the corner position. And that's something they never seen. Like, he's a, he got a safety mentality, but he plays corner. Like, the, the young dude don't give a F. That's the, and this, and this, coming from, this coming from Dick LeBeau. Dickie was like, you know, these guys vouch for you, for me to for me to start you. I was like, for real. They said, man, they just they loved your attitude, they loved your toughness, they loved how you portrayed per, or portrayed yourself. And I was like, for real. It was like, yeah. And he said, you ain't looked back since. I remember we playing Tennessee, my first game I started at Highsfield. Man, I had twenty two tackles. I had 22 tackles in one game. They looked over there. They saw fresh meat. They knew it was my first game starting. I'm saying the same thing in my head. If I'm y'all, I would come after me too. But I was, I was like, but I got something for y'all ass. That's that. That was my. <laughs> that, I got something for you. But ever since then, man, my career had took off with that cornerback position, Mark and Mark. I want to go back to one other thing before we get to your top offensive lineman. Would you go in future off seasons to go train with Tom Shaw? I know he's like a legend in Florida to help athletes get to what they to where they need to go and what they do. Would you train with him in other off seasons beyond just preparing for the draft, entering your rookie season? I got everybody down to Coach Shaw. It got to a point where where, where Bill Cowell and Coach Tomlin was like, if you down there training with Ike with Coach Shaw, y'all don't have the y'all don't have the conditioning test. Uh, at, at some point in time, I had at least 15 Steelers on defense down here in Orlando training with Coach Shaw because they, they, they already knew what kind of shape I was going to be in. And once Coach Tomlin got a word of it or Coach Cowell got a word of it, they said, man, I ain't got to do no conditioning test. How did you find him in the first place? Coach Shaw, so my uncle found Coach Shaw in a newspaper ad in New Orleans when I was in the eighth grade. I've been with Coach Shaw since I was in the eighth grade in New Orleans. Coach Shaw wound up leaving New Orleans after Hurricane Katrina. So he was going to be the Orlando Magic speed conditioning coach or something had happened. Then he wound up getting in contact with Disney and he just took off. He just took off from there. You know, Disney let him use his complex. And once I saw where he was at, I'm like, Coach, where you at? Yeah, and I'm in Orlando. All right, I'm all season. I'm in Orlando. So I came to Orlando and he's the reason why I'm in Orlando because Coach Shaw is the reason why I'm here. Really, so I just I just made Orlando home, and us winning Super Bowls and going to the playoffs, and me just, you know, just I've been in the same area, Marky Mark, for eighteen years. So this is like cheers to me. If anybody asks you, they say I damn near run Orlando. You know what I'm saying? But that's that's just that's just how it is. We'll have to get Coach Shaw on the podcast at some point in time because I know you had told me that, and it's like I had forgot about that. We've had conversations off the air. 
we could talk till the rest of the day about your Steelers experiences. And we will do that here in subsequent weeks. Once the okay. offseason slows down more as we get closer and closer to the NFL draft. But Ike, we've been teasing it. We've been talking about it for a few weeks. Your top offensive lineman in the 2021 NFL draft. I love how you wanted to show love to the big uglies up front who pave the way for the skill position players before you wanted to talk about the receiver group in this draft. So I love that. I think I know who you're going to go with off the top, but who's your number one offensive lineman in this upcoming draft? Oh, man, I'm going to Oregon, you know. Panay Sewell, uh, he's, in my mind, Sewell is a top five draft pick, period. I don't care what position you want to call it. Quarterback, running back, defense end, tight end, wide receiver, I don't care, linebacker. He's a franchise player, and this is what I like about him. He's violent, but he's having fun playing football. Like, he driving you into the ground, then he high-fiving his homeboys. <laughs> like, and when you look at his athleticism, <laughs> it's like, it's like, dang, this dude really moved good. He can play tight end if he want to, or he can play defensive line if he want to. I can't say the same about all these other offensive linemen. So for me, he was my franchise player in my top offensive lineman. When you looked at Oregon and you, and you looked at where they ran the ball at, Wherever you saw Sewell last name on his jersey, that's where they went. Whether he was playing left tackle or right tackle, that's where they was going. So, but when you just look at how athletic he is, how much fun he have, like, he just one of the boys. If he's not in the room, the room is boring. You know how you just have, you know how you just hang around somebody where they just the life of the party? This is Sewell. <laughs> he's, just the, he's just the life of the party. He just so happened to be very violent and very good at what he do. So he, he like he's a pancake guy. Like, Coach, how many pancakes I got today? Or he'll, he'll, he'll holler at one of his running backs like, you saw that pancake, what I just did? So that's, that's for me, you can, he can go number one on my draft board. I, I don't care at what position. Quarterback, I, I, love, I love Lawrence. But this guy so well can go number one for me on my draft board. That's how I look at him as a franchise player. 15 years for sure in the league. Let's stack those flapjacks, Ike. And he did not rejoin Oregon for the shortened Pac-12 season. Got to jump on his 2021 draft prep. I think I know you're going to go with number two. I would no, go you don't. With... Eh, I'm going to surprise you on this one. The floor is yours, Ike. Make your case. And who you got at number two? Seven Jenkins from Oklahoma State. Okay. Oh. Yeah, I oh. am surprised. Tevin Jenkins from Oklahoma State. He's a bar fight guy. We going into the bar. So somebody was messing with you, I Mark? Yes. Where he at? So we can beat him up right now. <laughs> okay. I can I ask you so, this, with or without his glasses? Either, either or. <laughs> Either or, once he put you, once he put his hands on you, it's a wrap. He's probably the most violent, or plays the most violent. If you look at a couple of his clips, Mark and Mark, he's driving defense alignment to their sideline underneath their bleachers. <laughs> that's that that's what he's doing, and he's versatile, so he can play again, just like Sewell. He can play left tackle or right tackle. What I like about Jinx is. He takes good angles. You know how I like boxing. I'm real good into boxing. 
he takes good angles to cut you off so you don't get inside of him. He's very patient when it comes down to shuffling and his pass protection. He's very violent when it comes down to smack you or pancake you when it comes down to the running part. So for me, to him, he's not as athletic as Sewell. I think he's more violent than Sewell from Oregon. But at the same time, he takes better angles than Sewell on using his hips when he's trying to cut, cut you off. He's the Tom Brady of the offensive lineman. <laughs> you know how Tom Brady just good in the pocket? He can, shuffle, he can shuffle left, he can shuffle right, he just moving what he do. That's Jinx right now on taking his angles to cut you off. He's the Tom Brady when it comes down to the foot game of the offensive line. A couple things with him that I like. Started multiple games at different positions along the offensive mm-hmm. line in terms of the versatility. And then Chuba Hubbard, the Oklahoma State running back, when he mm-hmm. broke the 2,000-yard mark, Jenkins was a starter on that offensive line and an impact starter, helping pave the way for a 2,000-yard season. And remember, college, they don't play as many games as they do in the NFL. What's traditionally been a 16-game season, what's going to be moving to a 17-game season this upcoming year, 2,000 yards at the college level for any back, pretty impressive feat there. So I am surprised you picked Jenkins at number two. Who do you have as your third best lineman? Northwest is Rashawn Slater. Okay. That's, see, that's where I thought you were going to go with your number two slot. Before you get into your analysis of let, – let before you get into analysis, I don't okay. know if you saw that clip he had where he's like front squatting nearly 500 pounds. Right. And his teammates' reactions – like Ike, you always say the sideline tells the story. Look at his teammates' reactions where he does it once and they're all blown away. They're fired up. And then he goes and does several more reps. And you look in the corners, just the facial reaction of his teammates. It's a guy you're going to go to war with. Speaking of going to war with Sean Slater, he's probably the best technician out of all these offensive linemen. You know a guy who's not as athletic as a Sewell or, or as athletic as a Jenkins. But when you want to talk about feet and technique and putting his technique on a coaching tape and going to coaches clinic he's going to be this guy and the great thing about this guy is I look at him as the Peyton Manning of the offensive lineman his IQ is very high he already know what you want to do before you even do it so he's already going to be there before you even get there and the good thing about him the only thing he hasn't played is center he can play anywhere on the offensive line you know what I'm saying so he's he's your safe pick if you pick him, Rashawn Slater, he's the safest pick you can go at the offensive line. But I got him at number three. 37 starts. He started as a freshman in the mm-hmm. Big Ten Conference at Northwestern. So you're going up against some pretty good teams. And in the Big Ten, a lot of times it's a ground and pound league. It's not like right. a spread all the time that you see in other conferences. One other thing I like about Slater, too, the son of former NBA player Reggie Slater, who played in 259 career games so he's the son of a professional athlete i, I just right. like that because he's going to know what it takes the dedication that it he takes to be a to be the a stage pro. ain't too big for him yeah the stage ain't too when you when your daddy has played Patrick Mahomes, the stage yep. ain't too big for him yep. his daddy played major league baseball so patrick been been around professionals all his life he, he get it he understand the stage just ain't too big for him that's what you gotta love about these guys and number four 
if you want to hear my number four, Elijah Vera Tucker coming from USC. Um, I don't know if you checked out his pro day, but if you checked out his pro day, I think it was two days ago, he smoked his pro day. He showed off. He showed off for his pro day. Now he's been, people been watching this guy since high school, Elijah Vera Tucker, since high school. So his name been ringing bells for a long time, for the past like six years coming out of high school. This is what I like about Elijah. He's a finesse. So the, the two dogs I named between Sewell from Oregon and Jenkins from Oklahoma State, he's not as doggish as them. But he gets the job done, but in a finesse way. You know, he's one of those guys, his play. And I like, I like, he got an Italian style play. Meaning when you, when, when you see a movie and the Italians, before they get dressed, they put the water on their head and they comb and they slick their hair back like that dumb to make sure all the pieces of the hair intact. This is Elijah Vera Tucker right here. He's just, he's a smooth criminal. You know what I'm saying? You don't even know he's in the building, but he's, he's a finesse. He's light on his feet. He can play right or left tackle or pretty much anywhere on the board if you want him to. It's just he's not going to be as aggressive as a Jenkins or as a Sewell. So it's on you as a coach on the personality of what you like. But he's another safe pick as well, Mark. I could see him also sliding to a guard position too because he is a mm-hmm. little bit smaller than the other guys that we mentioned. I mean, not, I mean, six four, you know, 300 pounds or so. It might be a little bit more than that, but – he played well in limited action this past season and he took over USC's left tackle position because Austin Jackson went to the NFL. He moves to left tackle and he played well there. So I, I, I see that too. Who's in your five slot that night. And I think this is where things get interesting, man. I got Virginia tech Christian Derrishaw. So Christian Derrishaw, I think he's probably, he might have the most upside, but I look at him like how I look at me still kind of raw. You know what I'm saying? Technique isn't as polished. Footwork isn't as polished. He just plays angry. And he gets beat sometimes because of his technique. He likes to open his hips a lot. And when he opens his hips, that's when he get in trouble. But his strong point is his punch. He got a punch that, that'll knock Superman back. I don't know what he got in the upper body, but he got a strong punch that'll knock Superman back on the ground. So... You just love his mindset. And if you just listen to his coaches, they said a young man just want to get better every practice. And when you pop on his tape, it's a few lapses. And we all got a lot of stuff we can work on. But when you look at his punch, when he get his hands on you, it's a wrap. He got that old man strength. So for him, he goes to the right team with the right offensive line coach. In a couple of years, the man will be an all-pro, pro bowl caliber offensive lineman for sure. But – when he gets drafted, it's more of the upside that these coaches is looking at. So the Sewell is more polished, the Jink is more polished, the Slaters are more polished. This guy is still kind of raw, but he 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 get in contact like how I got in contact with Dick LeBeau. He find him a Munchak or somebody who can get him right and, and get his footwork right and understand his power. It's a wrap. So I got him at number five. So to recap for the listeners, Oregon's Panay Sewell. Oklahoma State's Tevin Jenkins at number three, Rashawn Slater, number four, Elijah Vera Tucker out of USC, and then number five, Christian Derisaw. I Like I said, I love that we went offensive line before receiver 
I'd imagine we'll go receiver next week, but your disdain for wide receivers always cracks me up. Oh, yeah, I got you. Next week, we're going wide receivers all day. And we'll see who the Ferraris are, who the Cadillacs are, all the fancy Maserati cars. <laughs> we'll see who all of those are at the receiver position. I know Alabama is always very talented there. And relating this back to the quarterbacks, Mac Jones, he might have played with better receivers at Alabama, whichever team drafts him. So I know some of the Alabama guys are going to be in there in our rankings next week, but that's going to be a lot of fun. But Ike, that's a full podcast. I mean, we, we discussed a lot today, a lot of fun here on a Friday. We got a lot done today, baby. We made our money today. That's how I look at it, Mark and Mark. We made our money today, which was fun. Want to give a shout out to you, Ike. You're my guy. Want to thank the sponsors, Bet Online, eBay, and Sunday Scaries, and to the listeners of the Believe in Steelers podcast. Keep rocking with us. We're going to have future guests in the coming weeks. We're going to do more mailbags where we answer listener questions. As we go further and further on into free agency, the dust has kind of settled. I think that we're still going to see some players sign here and there with teams, a lot of one-year deals, but then we're also getting closer and closer. We're about a month away, Ike, from the NFL draft. And so I always love getting your perspective there just because your player analysis is second to none. Hey, look, Mark and Mark, we got to do the, uh, we got to do our own draft before the draft. We got to do our own mock draft. I'm game. I'm game. You and I, I got to do our own mock draft before the draft. Like a week before the draft, we're going to go out on – because I'd be seeing everybody do their mock drafts, and I'd be laughing. But <laughs> a week before the draft, we're going to do our own little mock drafts, bro. Ike, you're my guy. You're the best. For Ike Taylor, I'm Mark Bergen. Thank you for listening to the Believe in Steelers podcast. Please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to your shows. We'll see you next week. Take care, and so long, everybody. Peace. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. 